Levo to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Levo just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. Warrior. What's going on, guys? Welcome, hockey to hell and back. Episode number 46. Before we get started... I want to wish all the moms out there happy Mother's Day, especially to my mom, Susan, out there in Surrey, British Columbia. Just got off the phone with your mom. I love you. Thank you for being my rock through some of my hardest times. Hello to Taylor, my girlfriend, super mom of three kids. Hello to Susan Cook upstairs, my Muskoka mom, and to all the hockey moms and all the moms out there. What a thankless job it is. Happy Mother's Day to you all. Thank you for joining me live. Of course, I'm Brady Liebold. Coming at you from Muskoka, Ontario, one of the most beautiful places in Canada. I still like BC better, not going to lie, but Muskoka is a close second. You know, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just super grateful as I am every single day. Yesterday, I celebrated 15 months clean. That's right, 15 months 
keep them going one day at a time, sometimes one minute, one second at a time. For anybody else out there in recovery or struggling, don't give up on yourself. You're going to hear all about that today. Uh, check out some swag from Puck Support. As you guys know, if you watch the show, every episode, I do an in memory of one of those we've lost. Tonight, we're remembering Todd Ewan. Todd Ewan tragically took his own life in 2015, was an NHL enforcer. You can see him up here behind me. The wall is building of all those we have lost. I will work the rest of my life to make sure that they're never forgotten and also that we can end, end all of this. It's, uh, it's tragic. It's near and dear to my heart. I feel very lucky that I'm alive and that I've made it through the other side. If you're not through to the other side yet, there's always hope. There's always hope. Um, I want to give a special shout out to Kelly Ewan, Todd Ewan's wife, who's become a friend over this past year. Kelly, hello. Happy Mother's Day. You know I'm here, as always, if you ever need to talk. We've talked several times, and uh, that's a friendship that's, you know, very important to me. And she's doing some amazing work and look forward to having her on the show down the road when some other things get sorted out. Uh, before we get into the episode, uh, I want to give a special shout out once again to David Carlson, who set me up with Per Mars from Mars Blades. If you guys know, I'm rollerblading across Canada. About one year from today, I will be starting my journey out in Newfoundland with Newfoundland's finest, Terry Ryan. That's right, one of my good friends. Looking forward to it. But also, Joe, Joe from B-Sharp in Ottawa. He's taking care of me. He's hooked me up with True Hockey as well. He's got my rollerblades in the mail. They should be here tomorrow. So my training officially starts tomorrow. You guys saw me. I had started... But my rollerblades broke two days in. I guess I'm too fat and out of shape and old. They were like, no, we're going to make this hard on you. But hey, we start again tomorrow. So I'm inviting all you guys to join me on my journey. Stay tuned for lots of updates and where we're going to be, when. And uh, I look forward to getting out there. It's going to be one hell of a journey. That's for sure. All right, guys, we're going to get right into the episode. But before we do, a quick message from Team Issued and my friend Regan Bartell. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you to Regan Bartell, Jesse Paradise, my former teammate with the Kelowna Rockets, five-year WHL veteran, now owner of Team Issued. Hello, Jesse. Thank you for all the support. Look forward to seeing you when I'm through in Manitoba. If you guys have seen the show, you know how this goes. We'll see you in a few minutes. You know, when I think about it, it's still crazy to me that I have my own podcast that essentially, I'm kind of in the broadcasting world. Well, there's no doubt I'm a hack, but I'm always trying to continually improve. And just like I did with hockey, watching Rock'em Sock'em videos, pre-YouTube days, hell, it was even pre-DVD days. I vividly recall rewinding those VHS tapes time and time again, watching the hockey players and going out in the front street and trying to recreate what they did. Well, today I'm no longer playing hockey and the reason why I really watch hockey or watch sports talk at all is to try to learn from the best, but of course not the best hockey players, 
the best broadcasters. And I'll tell you what, it didn't take me long to figure out that Rod Peterson is just that. Rod Peterson was born in Milestone, Saskatchewan, and quickly made a name for himself in the broadcasting industry, becoming the youngest play-by-play announcer in the Western Hockey League, landing a job with the Prince Albert Raiders in 1993, where he spent two years before moving on to the Regina Pats. By the late 1990s, Rod Peterson became the voice of arguably the most iconic CFL franchise in history, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Playing for the Swift Current Broncos, I really had no idea what being a Rough Riders fan was all about. But man, did I figure it out quickly. In 2003, Rod was recognized for his greatness on the mic when he was inducted to the Saskatchewan Rural Sports Hall of Fame. Rod called the Regina Pats games from 1995 to 2010, which means he would have seen me play on more than one occasion, and I'm sure we're going to hear a little bit about that tonight. After 20 years as the voice of the Riders, recently Rod Peterson has decided to go in a different direction. Enter the Rod Peterson Show. Now this is where I really get a lot of Rod Peterson because I'm one of his avid watchers. But full disclosure, I don't really care as much about the sports content as I do about trying to learn from Rod Peterson. And just a quick side note, this past season, he found himself in a familiar place. Once again, he is the voice of the Regina Pats. Those are just a few of many highlights over Rod Peterson's career. But really what I think we want to discuss tonight is the strength and courage inside of the man that Rod Peterson is. I don't want to touch too much on his story, But in 2014, he landed his dream job as the radio voice of the Calgary Flames. But when his drinking problem was recognized, the Flames decided to go in a different direction. Soon thereafter, Rod Peterson fell into a deep, dark depression. And a short while later, he was diagnosed with anxiety disorder, which largely contributed to his alcoholism. Well, as Rod Peterson would say, it's never too late. In 2015, Rod Peterson was faced with the decision, either get treatment for your drinking or lose your job. By this time, Rod had become a staple in the Riders organization, but it was simple, either make a change or lose it all. Another quote from Rod, never give up on yourself. I love that one. Since then, Rod has taken the world of recovery by storm. Not only able to get sober, he's also become a specialist in the addiction treatment field and coaches recovering alcoholics. And this is where our paths crossed again. A few months back, he reached out to me and asked if I would come on his Recovery Hour, a Sunday night talk show that discusses everything recovery. He's one of the ones who's trusted in the sports industry to bring the latest sports news, but this is where I really feel Rod does his best work. Not only on the show, but also traveling around, speaking about never giving up and sharing his hope and strength. I'm really proud and honored to have Rod on the show, so let's do it. Let's bring him in all the way from Regina, Saskatchewan, my new friend and one of my idols these days, Rod Peterson. (laughs) What's going on, Rod? Good to see you, Brady. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to your mom. Yes, thank you. Nice, uh, Nice sweater there, buddy. I'm glad we didn't wear the same ones. I got a few, as you know. I'm glad we didn't. That would have been awkward. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks for being here. And uh, before we get started, man, I just, uh, 
Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, I watch your show all the time, as you know, and uh, usually when I'm in the workshop here at Puck Support, that's what I got going on, and I try to chime in when I can, but you know, I've tried to learn uh, at least a little bit from you as much as I can, so thanks a lot for being here. Hey, thank you for the kind words, and I know how much work that is, what you put in for that intro, so I can't thank you enough for that, and if I can say two quick things. One, I showed, I Googled your name just to show my wife, and she's like, what's with that cheese? Well, actually, that, that my term, not hers. She's like, he's such a good-looking guy. What's with the mustache? I said, I don't know. I'll have to ask him. And then I never knew you were that tough, Brady. I kind of knew you as um, a little more of a grinder. Were those all your fights? Is that no. every fight? No, not even close. <laughs> not even I'm teasing close. you. You know I'm teasing you, right? I know. Uh, well, here, I'll touch on the mustache. I talk about it a little bit. Uh, so I grew it for Movember, right? And like like a lot of guys do. And I woke up on December 1st and rolled over in my bed and uh, saw a post on Instagram that said, just because it's December 1st doesn't mean that men's mental health issues go away. So I was like, well, I guess I got it for a year then. So, But I hear you. <laughs> It's getting to me, man. It, every day I'm like, oh, I've committed to this and I got to leave it. But it's it's really getting to me. So there's that's why the mustache. I wonder what the story was. You look like a 70s hockey player. I thought you were going for something. But I'm like, don't cover that. When you're that good looking, cover it. Don't cover it up, man. Well, I didn't have teeth for the longest time. And I think when I was on your show, I didn't even have, have my teeth when I was on the recovery hour. And um, uh, thankfully, some people around the uh, hockey community stepped up and actually paid for my teeth so um you know it was pretty incredible um very very fortunate um let's let's dive into it a little bit let me let me uh, ask you about how you got into broadcasting because this is sort of what i'm doing i never thought i'd be sitting here in front of a microphone interviewing people i know you do it on a different scale but tell us a little bit before we get into it like where did that where did that come from? Did, was that something you always wanted to do? It's hilarious that you say that. There's two things. You said that I was born in Milestone, Saskatchewan. I was raised on a farm near Milestone, Saskatchewan. So, I mean, it was as pretty much as remote as you could get. And I get asked at least once a week, how do you get into broadcasting being from there? All my cousins are still farmers and they live out there. And I just never, <laughs> I didn't like it, Brady. That was hard work. I just had, I mean, there's three boys in our family. We all played hockey. But from the time I was six years old in grade one, I wanted to be on the radio doing hockey. That was my sport. So um, I never really, I've never wanted to do anything else. You mentioned the diversion to the Rough Riders. I was never a football guy. We never had football in Milestone. I had to learn football when I was named the voice of the Rough Riders. And I think I did okay with that. But I, I, I just want to just go back your intro there with your five trips to the psych ward. So many things, man, once you get sober and you know that you, you come out of the cloud, my mom had me at the hospital when I was 15 years old, drove me into Regina Pasqua Hospital and just saying, you got to do something with this kid. Like he's, he was locking himself in his bedroom for three days, crying his eyes out. He wouldn't come out. <clears throat> this is before I discovered alcohol. And sorry to, to hijack the question. No, just saying, no, go. Just it, when, with what you said at the start, just triggered with me. And I don't know how old you were when you went to the psych ward, but my first visit was at 15. And I'm sure, because I shared this, if any of my family's watching tonight, extended family, they'll be like, what? Because I'm sure my mom never told anybody. She was a pretty private person about that stuff. But yeah. then once I got sober 25 years later, mom was literally like, you know, once you discovered alcohol, it was game on. There was no, no stopping because the mental health issues kind of went away. You know, the alcohol covered all that. And um, so anyways, back to the thing. When I was the voice of the Raiders, the oldest player was a month younger than me. I was 20 when I was the voice of the Raiders. So just to give you an idea that that's all I ever wanted to do. 
Wow. That's uh that's pretty amazing. Do you still are you still the I couldn't confirm you must still be the youngest to Yo, ever I can't ever. imagine anybody being younger than that. To yeah, be honest with you. And incidentally, by the way, I mean I was a goalie and I I'm certainly not bragging or saying that I was a player, but I did go to camps in Weyburn, Estevan, Humboldt, Brandon, and Regina. Got cut every time. But it was, you know, I was the same age as Trevor Kidd. Okay. And uh, and we were both 16. I was 5'6", 146 at 16 years of age. And they made the right decision by keeping um, Trevor Kidd, let's put it that way. But I remember the media interviewing Trevor Kidd and me walking by him and literally saying, I want to be the guy holding the microphone, not the guy getting interviewed. You know what I mean? That just hockey, I liked hockey. I didn't love hockey. I love broadcasting right that's all i want to do and and then the recovery thing i mean i'm starting i got a book on the table here next week i'm starting the recovery coaching academy to get my full certification and people will eventually we'll get into it here but people have often say to me why do you want to become a recovery coach i said i didn't people were coming to me and i had to go get training because i'm like i'm not qualified to help you people so and every like that's the whole universe opening up and just you know, opportunities presenting themselves. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting where life takes us and uh, you've been doing it quite a bit longer than I have and have, you know, obviously a, a lot larger following. And, and so I can only imagine how many people have reached out to you since you've gotten sober, because sometimes it's even, even overwhelming for me. And it's like, you know, I do my best to try to be there for people in the best way that I can. But at the end of the day, that's exactly how I feel. It's like, I'm not really qualified to have this life <laughs> experience, but I don't want to say the wrong thing in case it backfires. So again, you're somebody that I really just look up to Rod, man, in so many ways. And, and that being another one, um, what was, you know, what was the turning point? Like, when did you first realize that, okay, maybe, maybe this is a problem because I read, you know, I've read lots, I do my research and I knew this kind of prior to and like working in the radio station. I didn't really touch on that, but you were in the radio station for a long time and you know, basically surrounded by, you know, beer companies and all this stuff that was free. Like, so it, it must've been hard to kind of even realize that, okay, well, is this a problem? Because here I am and this is, seems normal. Um, but when did you realize, when was the first time you realized maybe just maybe I have a problem? Well, all of this is going to sound familiar to you. And anybody that's in recovery that's listening, or maybe even is, isn't in recovery, hopefully is thinking about it. And I tell this in schools. My dad's recovering alcoholic, Brady. He quit drinking when I was two. So I never saw him drink. But all through me growing up, he often said, be careful. You could be, you'll be predisposed to this. You could have the gene. So when I was in elementary school, dad was warning me, just, just be mindful of this when you start drinking. You're asking me when I knew it was a problem? Second time I drank, I drank to blackout. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this probably isn't normal, but I didn't care. I kept going for the next 25 years. I had a kid in uh, Kipling, I think, Kipling or Mooseman. A kid put his hand up in the gym when I was talking. He goes, you know, so you blacked out once? I'm like, <laughs> once? Probably close to a thousand times, if not more. And he said, and the kid was like eight. And he goes, what does it feel like? I said, it is the scariest feeling in the world because you have no idea you know it, Brady, how you got there, what you did, why you did it. It's the worst feeling in the world. So anyways, again, not to go off, but I knew from the time I was 15, 16, when I started drinking that uh, this was a problem, but everybody else was doing it. I mean, I saw your story. Like you mentioned how you're always the one up later than everybody else, drinking more than everybody else. And I think so much 
with all these overdoses and people dying, uh, more people dying, I believe, of overdoses in this province than COVID, or at least at what at one point that was a stat. I'm not sure if COVID went past it, but so many people, including my family members, they're like, "Well, if, don't drink or don't do drugs, you won't overdose." So I'm like, "You don't understand. It's like driving into a field that looks dry but it's muddy. You're halfway into the field, and then you're like, "Oh shit, I'm not getting out." Like you, you, you go into that with all your friends they yeah. can back out right you don't realize that until you're in it yeah so i was well i knew it was a problem because i was getting in trouble as a as a teen you know and um the thing is you know it as a hockey player and it was me as a broadcaster you have this unbelievable talent and you're bringing in a lot of money <laughs> to the team and to the radio station so i think you kind of get a lot of leeway mm -hmm. more than your average joe yep but for everybody, it literally gets to be too far. And the crappiest part, I've had a lot of bottoms, but it's near the, it was near the end for me when, uh, like, even my friends didn't want to be around me because they never knew what I was going to do. You know, they didn't want to be embarrassed. It was an embarrassment for my family. And um, it's not a good feeling, right? So when I faced that intervention, it, was, uh, it wasn't just lose my job. It was, like, lose everything. And you know yourself, it's a choice. They're like, yay, Dore. Get into recovery, never look back. Or nobody's making you pick door B, keep doing what you're doing, but you're going to lose everything. And I was just finally, I give you credit for doing it at your age because it took me till 42 banging my head against the wall. And I should mention, my dad quit Brady, like flipping a light switch, never went to a 12 step meeting, like nothing. And I just thought, when I'm ready to quit, I'll just do what my dad did because he quit with no help. And then I couldn't quit. I would go at most four or five days, probably two, three days without drinking. And then I would find myself in a liquor store buying a six pack or a Mickey just to go into work. I'm like, I don't even remember driving here, right? Your body just goes on autopilot. Yeah. But I quit. I'm like, I can't quit. My dad quit on his own. I'm just not strong enough. Everybody that I knew that quit had quit on their own. Mostly hockey guys, coaches and stuff. They quit on their own. Nobody talks about going to 12-step meetings. How would you know? <laughs> You're not supposed to talk about it, right? Exactly, yeah. And, and by the way, when you said in your intro, which, again, knocked my socks off, you said I've taken the recovery world by storm. Nobody, until I started doing it, that I could see it ever really marketed recovery mm. yeah. as a thing. And not everybody likes it, FYI. <laughs> like, you mentioned some of the clips in that intro – you were in the Montreal Gazette. They did a story on me and it mentioned in there that I go to a certain amount of AA meetings a week and help other alcoholics. I get a call from AA going, what are you doing, man? You identified yourself. I'm like, I don't, he wasn't supposed to put that in there. I'm like, why is this a problem? Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't want to go down that road. I want to, I don't want to get in trouble again, but I'm just trying to figure out, navigate this road of recovery and what works for me. Cause as you know, it's not the same for everybody. I'm glad, I'm really glad you brought that up. And I, I mentioned it a few times on the show about how I'm not supposed to talk about it. And I'll be honest, since this whole, my recovery this time, I mean, I tried recovery for like 10 years in the rooms, out of the rooms, this way, that way, everything, trying to learn how to speak at meetings that made me nervous and trying to do service work. And I'm just trying to fit in. I was just trying to fit in anywhere I was going. I was always just trying to fit in, whether it be at the school or at the dressing room or even anywhere, it didn't matter. It was no difference for that. But, you know, as far as that goes, you know, I think there's a there's a huge benefit to talking about it, whether it doesn't matter how you're doing it or what, but being able to share the fact that, okay, I couldn't do this on my own. And here I am, and this is what I'm doing. 
wouldn't that, to me, it's more beneficial because you're showing people that there's a way and maybe there is a solution. So again, I don't want to get us both in trouble here. <laughs> the programs but i i really i do look forward to one day hopefully if covid ever ends being in those rooms again because yeah. you know though it wasn't and hasn't been you know essentially a huge part of my recovery it has been because i've learned so much um through the book and the steps and meeting people and meetings and now through other things i've kind of just like you said no no one recovery is the same and you bring it together and for whatever reason been able to string 15 months together i never could get 15 minutes man like seriously it was bad man like it was people i say like it just I don't think people really understand how bad it gets if they've never lived it. And I know that, uh, you know, you talk about drinking to blackout every single time. Like it wasn't, you mentioned, you know, I'm not drunk unless I'm, I'm blacked out. Like I'm not. And there's a, I love this picture, you know, there's, <laughs> there's the difference, right? That's right off your website. So I hope you don't mind me showing that, but that's, that's the difference. Like, look at, look at you there and, and you must just feel so much better today. Like, I can't even, I was just talking with somebody in recovery the other day about how great it feels. And a lot of the people, when I first sit down with them and we're talking about like, it's over, man, you're not, or there was a female, the one that I last remember having this discussion. She goes, don't you miss it? Like just this of drinking. And I was like, what is there to miss? Let's show that picture again. Like, honestly, and I'm joking rhetorically, but you know what I mean? I mean, what is there to miss? It's look, you said it. I lost my dream job. You stand there in front of 700 kids in the Swift Current Comp High School, Brady, where you went. Did you went yeah. to high school there, I assume? Sure did. And, sure and did. I say to those kids, imagine if your whole dream that you thought about every single day for 35 years, whatever your dream is, mine was to be in the NHL. And I agreed to that deal with the Calgary Flames. And then they pull it from you. The only thing you've ever wanted in your whole life. And then they pull it from you. And their eyes just get this big. I'm like, that happened to me because of drinking. And most people would think you'd stop drinking or look at yourself if you lost your dream after, you know, no, not the one out of 10 like us. I'm like, yeah. oh, you think I drink too much now? <laughs> Watch. Yeah. And then six months later is my rock bottom and I get into recovery because I was literally drinking every day. But I mean, a good friend of mine, uh, Leo Esrens, he's the head of the CFL Alumni Association. He, he goes, you were handed the brass ring and you dropped it. <laughs> like, does that that doesn't make you feel like the biggest screw up roaming the earth? I don't know what would. Well, hey, you know, it's it, this is the way I look at it. Look at where you're at now, though, right? Like with all this opportunity, all the people you're helping. Sure, maybe that was your dream job, but maybe this moving forward and the, the stuff you're doing, maybe that really is your dream job, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes because there's such a greater purpose oh, to what you're doing. Trust now. me, I, I it took me. Here's one for you. It took me a couple of years into recovery when somebody sat me down and said, Rod, the flames were right. I'm like, what? <laughs> Hiring you probably would have been the worst thing they ever did. And secondly, you probably would have died. You were still drinking, right? Like you'd have been in the NHL where the never hungry league, you know, like uh, it probably was the best thing that ever happened to you. And they were right. And I, once I realized it, I'm like, oh my God, they are. That was the epiphany. And then, you know, I was, Phil Andrews just resigned as the voice of the Regina Pats. He's taken a job with Athletes in Action at the U of S. And I send him a note and I'm like, we were, he's in recovery too. And he's open about it. And he's like, I said, Philzy, we were spared to help other people. Right. Yeah. So whether we get back into hockey or get back into broadcasting, doesn't matter. This is, we're not in charge here, Brady, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. I've, you know, I, for a long time, I thought I was, and do you know where that yeah. 
me? Do you know where that got me? Holy jail? Yeah. <laughs> you know where that got got me, and it, it takes us to some dark places. Uh, before we jump ahead, I just I do want to hear a little bit about your time with the riders because when I was in Swift Current, I got a huge eye opening about the the culture of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Like I couldn't believe it coming from BC. I thought, oh yeah, the BC Lions, it's a pretty big team. I'd go to games, quite a few fans back in the nineties and that. Like yeah. I, Swift Current, and it's like you say anything bad about the riders it's like the town's coming at you with pitchforks like it's crazy they're, they're nuts it's awesome it's the whole pra- it's the whole province it's not yeah. just swifty but yeah. uh they, there's players that have come through here that have played in the nfl and cfl and they call it the 33rd nfl team i mean our stadium was designed by the same guy that's done cowboy stadium it's just a smaller version of that it's a cathedral to football um it's cool man i've been from every corner of this province from gladmar which is like 16 miles north of the u.s border all the way up to paradise hill which is five hours straight north that's about the furthest north i've been i know there's further north but i mean they are just rabid 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 and i'll never forget uh just one time in paradise hill it was a sports banquet and they were auctioning off one of my books and i walked up to the the auctioneer and i said here's my book here's my name and the guy's like I know your name, man. I've listened to you for thousands of hours in my tractor cab listening to you. But I was just like, well, I'm sorry. I just didn't expect that you would this far away. You know what I mean? But it's 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 a very big deal. You're, it is a religion. You have how many books do you have right now? One or more? Three. Three? Oh, yeah. my God. Sorry. I, I only knew of the one. So where, where can people find your books and what are they called, Rod? Well, the uh, the riders one sold out. You can go to Amazon. It's called Green Magic. Canada's team wins the 2007 Grey Cup. That's kind of the story of the riders up to 2008. The second one was a 50 year history, Brady of the uh, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And wow! And, and I do want to. That came out shortly after the Humboldt Broncos crash. I want to tell you a story about recovery, how that m- melded. And then the other other one was a social media handbook, which people are like, "Well, that's not really a book." I'm like, "Do you want to write one? Write it." No, exactly. It's a it's a book. So the uh, the rider one was the best seller, and it's not really in print anymore. You could buy them off Amazon. <clears throat> I think they have a few left, but you can't go to the rider store. But the SJ one, I'll never forget. It was two days after the Humble Broncos crash, which, which was April 6, 2018. And two days after the crash, my phone rang. I'll never forget. My wife's buzzing around the house here. She'll remember this. You can tell I'm not BSing because she's right in the room. Phone rang and it was uh, it said Humboldt Sask. I'm like, who do I know in Humboldt? And it was Chris Baudry, the assistant coach, the one who survived because he wasn't on the bus. Do you know Brady? His sober date, his at that time, I think it was his four year sober date, was the day before the crash. He was literally still celebrating his one day at a time. Four years later, and the crash happened. And uh, Chris goes, I need to get out of Humboldt. I can't. I, can I come down and visit you? There you go. You found it, man. You're fast at that. Like, see the Humboldt Strong ribbon at the bottom right corner there? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that it came out shortly after. But anyways, Chris said, I want to come down and can I stay with you? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And um, as I mentioned, he's in recovery. So we talked a little bit. And um, I said, what do you want to talk about? And he goes, there's a reason I lived and they didn't. And I think you can help me find it. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Hung up my phone. My wife was listening and. She was like, whoo, that's heavy. And I'm like, ah, we can handle it. We'll figure it out together. And my counselor said to me, you can't counsel him. He goes, you don't have trauma, grief, counseling, training. I said, I'm a human being. He called me. We'll figure this out. And he did come down and we hung out and we went to some meetings together. And then when he left, he, uh, 
he, he, he took that as a badge of honor. I said, Chris, you will be a symbol of strength to every family that if you don't crack, how can they crack? Right. Victims, families, survivors and their families. And we still talk. We just talked the other day. Like he's he he's a, he is. I get inspiration from him. But that was again. See where I'm saying people calling that I didn't. You know, I didn't really know Chris other than DMing on Twitter from, you know, I didn't know him well. Here's a guy that's reaching out. It's that type of people. So it's like, how do you say no to that, Brady? You can't. Yeah. No, I, I hear you, man. And uh, it's pretty incredible, right? If you take it back. And I mean, it's such a tragic, tra tragic accident. There's no two ways about it. And um, those that, you know, have survived, obviously, uh, I can't imagine what that must feel like, you know, and, and for him to realize that there maybe is a greater purpose and to reach out to you. I mean, what a, that's a, that's a huge, like, that's honor. That's honor for you. A yeah. huge badge of honor. And I mean, if you think about it, like, would you ever have thought that, like, in that situation back in 2014, somebody would be calling you to rely on you for that. And that's the power of getting sober. Well, actually, I think about it all the time because the next day I was doing my talk show on CKRM, which is province-wide radio at four o'clock every day. I don't do it anymore, but I, I, people about 30 minutes before it went to air, a chaplain called me, a coach called me, and they're like, really looking forward to hearing what you have to say today. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say. What am I, what am I supposed to say? I didn't realize that there was all these expectations on on that first sports gate because I was on the air when I found out the crash had happened on the Friday night, just so you know. And I was like rattled. And I'm like, thank God there's only 13 minutes left in the show because I don't know how to handle this. So by Monday, we just kind of had an on-the-radio therapy session for the whole province for people to call in and people from Humboldt, former football players, coaches. Dean Brockman, obviously coaches Swift Current, now is from there. He coached the Broncos. He came on. And that guy's got balls to do that in that situation was not, it was not the toughest day of my life, but I thought so many times, I'm like, I, I couldn't have done this when I was drinking. I couldn't, I would have ran and hit. I would have called in sick. I would have, I would have ran, you know, the feeling, right? hundred percent, man. Like it's, uh, it's all too familiar in my life. There's so many things that I would just hide from, um, because I, at, at the end of the day, because a lot of it to do is because so being so ashamed of being in my addiction, it's like, I'm not, I'm not worthy of this or taught, you know, being there for people like it just wouldn't have been able to handle it because of the hatred I had towards myself. I don't know if yeah. that would be similar for you, but oh, of course <laughs> that's where we're all the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Wow, that's uh, thanks for sharing that story, man. That uh, that inspired that's inspiring to me, and you know, I'm definitely going to. Uh, I'd love to to follow him and, and see what he's up to these days too, because that's just incredible. I, I follow uh, Caleb Dahlgren quite closely, and um, looking forward to reading his book. I think my dad's uh, my dad's sending it out to me. Hopefully, he said so. Um, yeah, just uh, such a tragedy, and I. You know, being in, I just remember being in Swift Current, uh, the 20 year anniversary where I actually got roasted because ESPN came in and interviewed me. And I, um, you know, I kind of said too much and they twisted it around and made it look like I, you know, said these things about Swift Current. I had to make a public apology. Dean Chanel made me make a public apology because of this article. It was supposed to be at a bus crash. And I, there I am talking about how I was getting picked on in the high school, but couldn't defend myself. And people, People were absolutely outraged in Swift Current. I'm still like kind of blackballed there for it. And it's all over the internet. And not to mention, I uh, kind of put Ian White on blast on how big of an asshole he was when I was a rookie. And there he was on my show a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's having a hard time or had a hard time. Uh, but it's good to, it's 
it's good to connect with him and kind of feel like I'm on the same level as crappy as that is. I, I hate to see that, but um, you know, it's, I'm still getting roasted by that, but seeing, just being there for that bus crash. And obviously, you know, you can see the Jersey behind me, like, you know, I got the, I don't know if you can see it, the four leaf clover there, like the eight, nine, 11, 22, like that's four tragedies to sit there and realize how many lives were lost there and how many times, countless times I had been on the bus and other for years and years and years um, where this didn't happen. And it's just, uh, man, I, my heart still goes out to all those families in the entire town, but uh, they've done an incredible job rebounding. Um, well, well, both towns, I yeah. mean, but look, <laughs> I, I wish I'd known you back then. I would have said, it's not about, I would have helped you in saying it's not about you. Like Swift Current has not healed. Humboldt has not totally healed. I mean, they've rebounded and the team's playing again, but don't think that they're over it. They never, ever, ever get over it. And I'll tell you a story that I swear my counselor's sick of me telling, but I'm telling you this for the first time. I went to New York to get my intervention training in Times Square. It was pretty cool. And they went around the room saying, hey, what do y'all do for a living? Besides, you know, recovery coach, blah, blah, blah. This lady's like, I work with child sex abuse trafficking victims in Connecticut. And the whole room's like, Oh, you think there might be some addiction problems there, Brady? Yeah. <laughs> With those people, right? And and then it's like, oh, treatment center owner, treatment center worker, clinician, blah, 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 blah. And then they come to me and I'm like, I'm just a football announcer drunk from Canada. Like I don't, I don't really fit in in this room, but I was asked to be here. So whatever. So I went at the first break, I went up to that lady and I said, Can you please tell me how you deal with these poor victims? And she looked me right in the eye and she goes, Rod, they don't ever get over it it's learning to live with it and it's not just about the sex abuse in her case anybody that's dealing with significant trauma and i didn't know your story until the intro of it i mean you cannot change the past you've obviously had the appropriate counseling and and been dealing with it but how how many years were you carrying that and not dealing with it properly right lots man i just i I just started counseling for that six months ago how's that going it's, you know, it's, it's tough, but it's good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like fairly open about stuff. And I think that for me, uh, I don't have an issue these days. It wasn't always the case, but sharing, but it, it's good, man. And I'm, you know, we're starting an actual group and it's kind of, it's, I wish we'd be all be able to sit down, but COVID it'll be, you know, over zoom or whatever, but, um, you know, just making sure, um, that I understand that it wasn't my fault um, and helping others, you know, get through it. I think there's a, just like going to a meeting or helping one alcoholic or an addict to another, it's sort of the same. You, you know, you can kind of understand where each other are and you can help each other through it. So, but wow. man, it took me a long time. Yeah. And we're all sort of in this wacko whack pack that we're in. I mean, I didn't have any trauma at all, but what I, you, know, you mentioned the anxiety disorder that was in the Montreal Gazette, but the truth is I had anxiety disorder, depression, um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, yeah. attention deficit disorder and addiction. So like I was about six months sober and I'm like, there's more stuff going on in my head than just alcohol. Right. That, like I got sober and I'm like, I'm not fixed. Right. And that's when I got the psych evaluation. So, well, I didn't have anything traumatic and traumatic in my upbringing. I had, again, back to mom dragging me to the hospital going, what's wrong with my kid? And, you know, because it's Mother's Day, I've been thinking this a lot today. I'll be honest, I, I'm leaking a little bit today because she she passed away two years ago. But mm-hmm. I'm like, she tried. She wasn't, she was not equipped 
to deal with a kid with these issues. <laughs> it was, she did the best that she could. And incidentally, that doctor that saw me, the psychiatrist, Brady, literally, because my problem was sleepwalking. It started with nightmares when I was little, started sleepwalking, leaving the house, falling downstairs, breaking bones. And uh, the doctor said, tie a rope from his ankle to the bedpost so that if he gets out of the bed again, he won't leave the house. That was his answer. Because although I've done a little digging, anxiety disorder might have been discovered by the mid-80s. He hadn't heard about it. It wasn't in his medical journal. You know what I mean? So uh, anyways, I didn't have the trauma. I still don't. Well, I've been through trauma since, frankly. <clears throat> not, that, not that I'm bragging, but uh, trauma is trauma. You know, whether it's the bus accident, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's, you know, victim of a variety of things, it's anything that your brain can't process. Yeah. So, you know that now. And so now with, with the sports, it's just fun to me. That's screw around time. Like that's not real to me. It's not serious. Like, yeah. and I, and the thing, because you worked in sports, played in sports at a high level to them, it is. That's where I realized with the rough riders, I can't continue doing this and work in recovery at the same time. Because just because your quarterback threw four interceptions in a quarter, he's not going to die. He's not going to go. I don't think he's going to go kill himself tonight. But this guy that's calling me over here, he might. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's this. Yeah. The, I, they, I couldn't continue to do both. So whereas now with the talk, the sports talk show, it's fun. And I am doing the Pats back on TV. But the Pats understand that that's I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need to do it. I could do recovery totally full time. There's more than enough work. Believe me. There it is. Thank you. Yeah, that was in the booth, and that was a proud day to be back calling games this year in, in the bubble. I'm a, I couldn't do what you're doing, Brady. You're impressing the hell out of me here with the tech stuff. Where'd you <laughs> learn all that? Man, honestly, I kind of was a little bit of a computer geek as a kid, but <laughs> I missed I missed a lot. When it was raining and I couldn't rollerblade, I was usually on the computer uh, messing around. My dad was always into uh, – Co sorry dad but he used to copyright vhs's we had the two vcrs and the uh, the mix mixer the old video mixer and stuff and, and my dad was sort of into that kind of stuff so i guess i kind of learned it from him but i'll be honest man it's youtube youtube's a beautiful thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah well don't be careful when you're diagnosing or looking for a diagnosis on google or or, or doctor's medic by the way your dad's cool guy and uh, he's been writing me back and forth a little bit on Twitter. I mean, not a ton. He entered a. I owe you. I owe your dad a book, by the way. Okay. Um, I gotta get it to him, or get it to you to get to him. It's mental health men. Mental health. I like. He, that. Yeah, and my buddy Alan Kaler wrote it. He might actually be watching right now. And uh, when you talk about us um, people reaching out for help, I said to Alan because he's in recovery. He's a, he's a sober consultant, I think he calls himself, which I think is cool. And I said, Alan, I don't understand why people are reaching out to me from all across the continent for help. And he goes, Rod, you're a beacon. You're a lighthouse in the darkness, right? <laughs> you're radiating positivity and strength yeah. and happiness. And the troubled people are just finding you. I said, I'm not complaining. I just don't understand how this soldier in Texas found me. I mean, I'm more than willing to help him, but I just, it blows my mind that you would approach a stranger. I wouldn't approach anybody, whether it was a stranger or somebody that I knew when I was struggling, I was too stupid. At least these people are smart enough, ready to reach out. Well, and I think that speaks volumes about what you're doing. You're, you make people feel comfortable enough to, to reach out to them. And I think that's, that's huge because it's not like, it's not like they just saw some random guy and was like, I think I'll give him a try. They probably do their research and watch and like what they're hearing. And it probably is with not even probably without a question. That's exactly why. But before we go any further, 
Oh, my, I'm, someone else just commented. Oh, there. My dad says, thanks, Rod. Looking forward to the book. Hello to my oh, dad. Oh, good. In BC. He I, need also, his, I need his address. It's the only reason I haven't sent it to him. I never got his address. So. He also said, lucky guy to watch Bedard for three years. I've enjoyed watching him here in Bantam. I, was, I wasn't even going to bring Bedard up because I'm sure you get asked about it a oh, lot. Oh, my God. No, no, no. You talking about rollerblading reminds me of an interview that I did with Connor last spring. I said, what are you going to do all summer? He's like, I don't know, rollerblade. Is that a big thing? <laughs> around there it's uh it's huge and i i tell everybody this you know like the only reason that i believe that i was any good at hockey was you know because i could skate fairly well and the only reason i could skate was because i was on my rollerblades all the time like we didn't have outdoor rinks there right i remember going to swift the first time they got four or five outdoor rinks in the town i'm like this is awesome i'm like i never had this i had a frozen little pond once in my life when it got cold enough in bc um, so, you know, I was in, in my rollerblades and, you know, I just think, I think that's all we have out there. If there's no ice available, it, that's the next best thing. And obviously it's working for him. I didn't even know that till Bedard said that. I didn't realize that that was a thing, but you remember Jordan wheel, obviously he of came, course. he was from Coquitlam. His dad is from Assiniboia, which is a Saskatchewan town of about 3,500 people. And wheel said to me, I was calling him Gordon almost because the public address announcer in the saddle dome said, Pat's goal scored by number 19, Gordon Wheel. So from now on, for forever, I call him Gordon. And he loves it. That's our little joke. But he goes, I never skated on an outdoor ice. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I learned to skate on a dugout at our farm. You know what I mean? And he goes, nobody from the West Coast has skated on outdoor ice. I'm like, that, that's a horrible way to grow up. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's I t I try to remind these kids that are out there out here in Ontario. There you go. There's Jordan there, and I'll tell you what he was uh, an incredible talent in the Western Hockey League. I watched him play in uh, Vancouver a couple of times against the Giants, and wow, he blew my mind. You want to have a like a hockey discussion for a second? Yeah, I was talking to Wheels, former coach with the Pats, and he said he put Wheel out at 16 in a shootout. I don't want to name him because he'll be mad who the coach was. But he said the older guys were mad that they put out Jordan at 16 in the shootout. And I said, did he score? He goes, well, of course he did. I said, then tell those older guys to shut up. But Bedard is going out in a shootout at 15. And he's doing it at the world under 18s and scoring. I'm like, how did older guys get mad? Like, I get if he didn't score. Right? But if you're going to put the kid out and he's going to score, how can you be mad at the coach? Am I wrong, Brady? Or how do you? Well, uh, you're not wrong, but I'll tell you just from my experience being in a, especially in a WHL dressing room, a lot of people may not understand um, how competitive it is within your own team. And it's the same way in pro hockey, but in junior hockey, I mean, when you're, man, when you're used to being the guy and a younger guy comes in that maybe is getting a little more attention from the coach or putting up more points than you, man, it's, it's tough. And, and there's Connor Bedard there. And I just, yeah. I look at him and it's like, man, how is he doing this? Like how the hell is this little boy doing this? <laughs> like he looks like he's 12 years old and you get him on the ice. He's not big. Um, nope. but he's getting it done like crazy. He's first one ever. I never, I honestly didn't think we'd ever see an exceptional status player in the Western league. No. Well, this is why it is such a story. And I also realized once I got out of hockey full time, how little people know about hockey. I mean, when you, when you come up with it in your life and I, my dad worked in the NHL for 26 years as a scout, by the way. So I'm the son of a scout. I just assumed everybody knew hockey. And now I realize very few people know hockey. So, for instance, was Bedard being a goal-a-game guy at 15 in the dub, 
people are like, can he play in the NHL? I'm like, no, no, he's a boy. That's what's unbelievable that he's playing with 20-year-olds that, quite frankly, when he left, were very average. But when he was playing with them, he elevated them to look like Yarmir Jagger. Like, he makes everybody better around him. And then then all of Canada's watching him at the World Under-18s, and they're expecting the next Connor McDavid. And people are tweeting at me going, well, he's not that special. I said, look at the score sheet for one. He's winning games, right? But he's not going to – my point, Brady, is he's not going to blow by people yeah. like Connor McDavid. But he will shift by – like, I was going to nickname him the mouse. The first couple of games, I'm like, he looks like a mouse. He's just like, you know, a mouse gets in nicks and crannies. And uh, a friend of the family goes, "That no, he's not the mouse. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get it. But he's just very shifty, which yeah. you obviously know as a guy from out there. And he's going to be fun to watch. People, your dad would get this. They've compared him to Marcel Dion. Somebody compared him to Marcel Dion. I'm like, my wow. God, is there a blast from the past? But that would be probably the best comparison that I've seen. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. I think it's exciting for the Western Hockey League for the next few years, the next, you know, three, two seasons, three seasons anyways, or yeah, two, I guess. Two. It'll be two. Or, yeah, he'll be gone at 18. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting. And I think also what it does is it gives these kids uh, out West uh, a real, you know, kick in the pants. They're like, hey, you know what? There's a kid from here that's doing it. Maybe I can do it too. And I just think he's going to inspire a lot of young kids. I, I, I said to somebody yesterday or, sorry, a couple of days ago when the game was on, I was like, I wonder how many kids are out, you know, playing in their driveways, pretending to be Connor Bedard right oh. now. And they're like 9, 10, 11, 12, and there he is, 15. It's like, you know. It, Sad thing is I don't see too many playing in their driveways. You would have, I would have, you, you know what I mean with that. They, road hockey doesn't seem to be a thing as much anymore. But my brother, by the way, who played in uh, the Western League in the SJ said to me, he's like, well, you know the Bedard family. Ask them, like, did they have a trainer that was whipping this into him or is he just naturally that gifted? And I'm like, from what I understand, he's in the garage firing like a thousand pucks a day, rollerblading, like it's a combo of natural skill plus work, right? You don't get to be this good, just God gifted. He's got a lot of talent, but he's clearly worked at it too. Yeah. My dad, my dad told me a shot is unbelievable. And uh, man, it breaks my heart to see or to not see kids playing. And I think there might even be a law in Canada now that they can't even play street hockey. I don't know if that's true. I got to find out if that's true or not. Somebody told me that, but one kid that does play a lot of street hockey is Landon Curry, who you met before the show. We're going to bring him on after to do a giveaway, but there's a kid that puts in work um, nonstop shooting pucks. And there's a few others, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of a lost, a lost, you know, playtime or a lost art because without that extra time, there's no way I make it, anywhere in hockey there's just no way i you know it, it does it takes a lot of work you do not learn how to shoot the puck like that or like austin matthews doesn't shoot like that one day he just wakes up and he learns how to shoot, like he can do it it's repetitive action shooting and stick handling right yeah. yeah and uh and all the hockey instincts and hockey iq i mean you can con control a tennis ball you can control anything right <laughs> so uh yeah it's not as much but you know it's funny you talk about your skill I think you read the story that I wrote about you on our website, dudnetwork.ca. Unbelievable job, by the way. I forgot to tell you that. Uh, no problem. I, I really enjoyed that. And your writing is, I love that. I love the Dub Network. And, and before you say, are you, do you own that? Are you right for that? How does we, you know what? Here's, here's the funny story. I just started reading it because I was a huge Dub fan. And then I wrote the uh, email, the guy that was running, or uh, he still runs it, Paul Figler. And I said, Figgy, um, can I write for you? 
Like I'm just a dub. This was during the pandemic. He was going to shut down the site when the pandemic started a year ago. And I'm like, don't do that. If it'll just take me writing to keep it open, I'll write for you. And he's like, yeah, sure. And then he kept it going through the summer. And then we started playing again. And so our company, DuPont Media, which owns the Rod Peterson show, we just formed a, it wasn't, we didn't buy it. It was sort of like a partnership. So okay. Figgy's still running it, but we're um, selling advertising and that kind of took over the business end. Paul's still running it. But I'm like, there's, Brady, you get this. Um, all the dub teams here in the in the hub were bringing me gear. Like the arch rival Brandon Weekings, who hate, like hated me and Krim. And it was uh, reciprocated, vice versa. They're bringing me gear. The Winnipeg guys, the Warriors. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, thanks for talking about us. Like, nobody gives us coverage anymore. And it's not like it used to be. You know, for whatever reason, there just isn't media coverage anymore. So that's why the Dub Network, we put as much work into it as we do because the, the mainstream newspapers, TV stations, don't cover it like they used to. So I think it's a great site. Uh, and great content. And before you tell the story, too, it's down there below, dubnetwork.ca. And that's another reason why I really enjoy your show is because you highlight the WHL and that's, you know, I can hear what's going on. You're, you're telling people even who scored the night before. <laughs> yeah. since, and, and to me, that's an important, that's important. Like it's important. These are, these are good young hockey players that deserve more media attention and you're the one bringing it. And, you know, I think a lot of people are obviously noticing that and they're appreciative. So thanks. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's the thing is I feel like we're not reinventing the wheel. You know, those nights when you're on the road as a junior and you're just sitting up in your hotel room watching sports center. And when you were playing, they would have had the ticker on the bottom of Swift Current 5, Calgary 1, yeah. Moose Jaw 3, Brandon 2. We would sit up and wait for our team to come across, right, like, sitting in the hotel room. Yeah, and they don't do that anymore. And for whatever reason, I don't know, they'd rather spend 10 minutes on European soccer than on major junior hockey in our own backyard. So I just knew, having been in the league so long, there's an appetite for that coverage. So that, that's why we're doing it, and, and it's going well. So thanks for recognizing that. I would, I'd love to hear you're going to mention, you're mentioning something about they'll throw the ticker back up after, but I've, I've got to add your actual personal page on that too. I just noticed, but what you're saying something about the article. I mean, it's for anybody that hasn't read it, you can just honestly Google my name and I think it's the first or second thing that comes oh, up. Good. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good thing to have come up. Yeah. Well, no, it, I mean, it's that and there's Sportsnet did one in that, but um, whatever you're doing on the SEO side to get that to come up first Obviously, somebody is doing a good job at that website. Yeah, it's not me, but I my my point was is that if you read that article, yeah, which you did, I just remember those playoff series, absolute wars, wars. Yeah, and I just remember. I mean, I never knew you personally, but I put in that article that Dean Chanel had you out there, five on five, PP PK more, first minute, last minute, right? Just a monumental pain in the ass. And actually, I tried to write Dean Chanouth on Facebook for a comment on you because we're Facebook friends. But I don't think he's he's commented like twice in 15 years on anything that I've posted. You know what I mean? So I don't think Dean's a Facebook regular. And I had lost track of him. I guess he's in Carolina. He's yeah. Assistant coach with the Hurricanes. But Dean's an affable enough guy. I'm like, give me a quote on Brady. I'd have to go look. I don't even think he read it. I don't even think he's seen it. Man, I would be super interested to hear that because <laughs> he gave me so many opportunities and knows so much about what went on. He brought in a sports psychologist for me, the Tampa Max Offenberger, uh, Tampa Bay 
sports psychologist. He, you know, he let me come back after I quit. He, he dropped me off at the airport. Me and him drove for five hours from Swift Current to Calgary when I got traded to Kelowna. And I, he didn't even tell me where I got traded. I was going to practice. It was before the, the rink was redone. So we were at Fairview, the other rink. And I was just going to leave for practice. And the phone rang. He's like, don't bother coming to practice. You've been traded, but I can't tell you where yet. Pack your stuff. I have a general manager's meeting in Calgary. I'm driving you myself. And so we drove this whole time. We stopped in Medicine Hat where he played junior. I think we had, you know, Chinese food or something. And um, he ends up, you know, dropping me off at the Calgary airport there, the coast or whatever it was. And he like, you know, looks at me. He's like, you've been traded to the Kelowna Rockets. Now get the hell out of my car. I'll see you in January. It's like, okay, thanks, Dean. See you later. Um, but, you know, who I have connected with recently is Dave Hunchak. What a beauty. What a beauty. And he's actually helping me quite a bit with puck support. We're going to be Good. doing a lot together um, in the future. I just love that guy. You know, he's uh, he's been on the show, too. He's shared his struggles. And, um, you know, nice to see him working through that and, and also, you know, helping people. And shout out to Dave. He's, he's an avid listener, too. So I think he'll be listening or watching this after the fact. But, uh, yeah, just the assistant coach of this Broncos when I was there, for people that don't know. So two things, Brady. First of all, my mind got stuck on Max Offenberger. What did he say? to you at the time well uh it's what i didn't say to him at the time really right i i knew that i was 17 at the time when i first met him and you know being i was thinking like if i really tell him what's going on right now like they're probably going to throw me in the psych ward or kick me off yeah. the team or i'm not going to be playing so i'm going to pretend like you know everything's okay i'll, I'll play it off like, okay maybe i'm having a little bit of a hard time but i'm not going to tell him i was sexually abused certainly not i'm not going to tell him that i'm thinking about taking my own life every single night my dad knew because i was calling my dad every night like dad this is it i'm i'm done i'm gonna do this i'm gonna eat all this tylenol i mean i was so naive to actual what it what it would take to you know go through with it but i was just a young kid and i just knew i didn't want to feel like that anymore i didn't have a vehicle there the first year but as soon as i had a vehicle there the one of my 18 year old year I, I packed up my stuff and drove home seven games into the season it was like yeah i'm out, i'm out of here i couldn't handle it so it was what i didn't say to max um and interestingly enough, I caught up with him again when I was in Norfolk in the American League with Tampa System now, and we met again. And once again, I didn't tell him that I was, you know, using drugs the whole summer before and not training and everything else. And there I was trying to live out my dream and and sort of like, you know, here's an opportunity like you had. And I couldn't stop doing what I was doing in the summer. It wasn't training and, and lost, you know, my hockey career. So I can level with you on the on that a little bit but um i want to ask you before before i let you go i know you're probably busy um i'd love to i would love to have you on again down the sure, road anytime you want to come on and um you know I, I by the way i love the recovery hour i think what you're doing there is super Thanks. important and, and i know you love the sports and that but that to me is really where you you shine and don't get me wrong you're i love your voice your sports knowledge is absolutely you know the best, as good as anybody in Canada that I've seen ever. But that, to me, is really where you where you shine, and I, and obviously that's why people have been reaching out to you, um, including the fellow from the humble Broncos. But I want to ask you about a friend of mine, and if you remember him, first overall picked the Edmonton Eskimos in 1999, Adam Braidwood. Do you remember? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How do you how do you know him? Interesting story. So when I first time I ever went to rehab. Um, I was there and I got there and I was there for two days and then the people called me in and they said, Hey, you're getting a roommate, but I think you guys have a lot more in common than what you realize. 
he's also was a professional athlete and they did that's all they told me they're like we can't tell you anything else he can you know he can tell you and i just remember walked into this the room when he got there because they're like hey come meet him he was sitting down and then he stood up and i'm like oh <laughs> cow man this guy's a monster but him and i became very very close and i know like you know he had a lot he's had his struggles and he's in the boxing world now suffered went through that whole thing with tim Tim Hag there uh, ended up, you know, the guy lost his life in the ring. I don't know if you knew about that, but yeah, Adam's uh, gone through a struggle. I just was curious what you thought of him as a football player and just be brutally honest. Oh, he was first overall pick. So what do you need? He was a tremendous football player, but I, I mean, he wasn't in the league long and I knew him as an MMA guy. I've never met him personally. I know people that know him. I know girls that he's dated. And to be honest, I never knew that he went to treatment. But I think you, him, me all fit into one very large category of people that not only are in recovery, but a lot of people that should be in recovery. And I don't know any of his story. Yeah. But a lot of good looking, talented guy that's got the world in the palm of his hand. And you don't realize it. Yeah. Usually till you blow it. Yeah. Right. And it's it's really hard to look at people and say, I know people that have never been out of a wheelchair in their life, you know, born with crippling diseases that have better outlooks than a lot of people that have everything going for them, but think they're screwed over. I'm not saying Adam Brad Braidwood's that. I don't know enough about him. I'm just saying highly, highly talented, good looking guy could probably do anything in his life that he put his mind to. Yeah, I just I wanted to ask. I, I mean, obviously, I knew he was good, but I never. Uh, remembered watching him play he just wasn't in the league that long he was he was very good player a mean son of a bitch yeah but he just didn't last long enough yeah he's uh you know i just i I haven't talked to him in a couple months we used to talk all the time um but somebody that i just hope the best for uh moving forward i got a picture of him here that just goes to show you how big and mean looking he is but um, yeah, I just I just was curious on your thoughts on that. Um, before we go, where can people catch you? I know, but remind people. Uh... Well, I'll tell you what, uh, for the Rod Peterson Show, we're on daily national television, Game Plus TV. Thank you, Brady, for that opportunity. If your dad's, uh, I don't know what his cable is out there on the West Coast, but Telesopti TV carries yeah. it. We're on national TV every day, noon Eastern, noon to two Eastern. But you can also watch on Facebook and YouTube live, just like a lot of people are doing right now. Same thing. Just type in Rod Peterson Show. And the Recovery Hour, it actually airs monthly. And our next one is Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Mountain. So just type all these things into your search and you'll find them. But thanks for that opportunity because it is, I don't know, when you're affecting people's lives. There you go, the Recovery Hour. It's a little disappointed, but... No, well, it looks fine to me. But you just, you can find it there on Facebook and Twitter and watch for Showtimes. And you see the text line like, Again, I'll tell you something, Brady. People text in, you've obviously watched it, with their struggles. It's something to be on live television and you're kind of coaching people live in front of... (laughs) It's That's a rush. That is a rush. Like Sports is a rush. This is different. This is different. Well, I got a couple comments coming in from Dean Smeal. Rod, thanks for the stories and being straight up. And shout out to the Recovery Hour. Great listen. Uh, he's an avid listener. That's Stan Smeal's brother, Dean Smeal. Hey, Dean. Pleased to meet you. Thanks. Yeah, great guy. Great supporter. Uh, Firefighter Stuart Smith says, great show, guys. RP, if I had known you were such a great guy, I wouldn't have zoomed past Milestone so often on my way to Weyburn. Former Red Wing there, Stu Smith. Yeah, actually, uh, he knows my brother. They're on for the 
with the Red Wings briefly. What a small world hockey is, eh? He, um, yeah, he's he's a huge supporter of mine. My dad and him are both, you know, firefighters. Stuart's still active. My dad's retired, but that's how I know Stuart. And I mean, he's he's done so much for for me and puck support, and just an amazing guy. Um, this guy I want to tell you about before you go, Matthew Meanser. He's in Argentina, believe it or not. I'm going to bring him on my show. He's from New York, Buffalo, New York. He's down there growing the game of hockey in Argentina. He wow. makes. Yeah, he makes wooden sticks for the locals out of the trees, like some of the trees that grow there. He also sent me a picture. I'll try to get it by the end of the show. Um, he's now making hockey bags for them, and they were able, you know, he's doing coaching clinics down there and just incredible stuff. He's going to join me, uh, I think, next week, next Wednesday or the, f- yeah, next Wednesday, not this one coming up. I got Steve Seftel coming on, but after that, all the way from Argentina, Matthew means what he's doing is just incredible. So he says, thanks, Brady. Another great show. An amazing yeah. guest. Keep it up. Way to go. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, my dad, one last comment, says about Jordan Wheel. I got shit at the draft table, re-wheel, hmm. because I had no reports on him, his draft year, LOL. How did you do that, Dad? That's crazy. Whoops. What's the best? Yeah, whoops is right. Whoops is right. So, uh, anyways, Rod, man, thank you. I really appreciate it, and I'm a huge fan. I'll be watching Same here, man. All I was time. before you even knew who I was. I was a fan of yours. So uh, I knew I knew who you were. Come on, I knew who you were. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, no, this has been a long time coming. I appreciate being on. I love wearing the gear. I tell you, I get comments, like multiple comments every time, every day when I wear this gear. So you did a really good job designing it and stuff. I, again, I'm a hack, and I'm hoping you know six months from now we'll be able to we'll be able to elevate that as well. But I think it's important to get the message out. And oh yeah, um, yeah, people like it. Thank you for the support, and uh, you know, tell your wife I say hi. Thank you for lending me uh, yourself on a very important day, which is Mother's Day. So thank you so much, Rod. You bet, buddy. Anytime for you. Thank you. Okay. Keep it up. Thanks, Rod. Proud, proud of you. Thanks, you too, man. Bye. Awesome. Huge, huge thanks to the man, RP, Rod Peterson, out there in Regina. Unbelievable. We got to talk recovery and hockey, my two favorite things in the world. Stay tuned. In about two minutes, we're going to bring on Lando Snipes. At Lando Snipes 17, Landon Curry, after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on facebook.com slash pridetape, on Twitter at pridetape, and at pridetape on Instagram. Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all Pride of you for being champions for change. All right, let's do it, Lando. What's going on, Landon? Nothing much, you. Not too much. Did you enjoy the show? You were backstage that whole time. Thanks for being patient, man. I loved it. Uh, you, lo- 
<laughs> you loved it, did you? So we got this giveaway going on. And before we do, I want to um, just give a special shout out to Will McIntyre, who was the original person that nominated me for the 25 push-up challenge. And I'll tell you what, it's kind of really taken off. And man, you're killing it. You're doing it every day. You're nominating some of those uh, young followers you have. Sorry, I'm trying to bring you up on Instagram. I know I know you're live on Instagram. I'll try, hopefully it won't uh, echo too much. But we're doing the, oh, look at that. I can see you live right now. I'm gonna request to join. If I can, there we go. Hopefully it doesn't echo or I'll mute my mic. What do you got going on today, Lando? You uh, just hanging out with your mom there or what? Um, mostly, yeah. We went to uh, London to do some food. Uh, we went to go get food trucks. Yeah. And How was that? You went to the food truck? Yeah. Me too. That's what I did today with... Uh, with Taylor and the kids. Interesting. I love I love food trucks. It's more of an Ontario it's more of an Ontario thing than than a BC thing. I'm trying to join yeah. your uh, your live video here. There we go. I'm I'm a noob on uh, on live videos, but I got uh, did did you give your mom a big hug today for for Mother's Day? Yes. <laughs> well, maybe you need to give her another one. I, I did have a picture of, of you and your mom somewhere here, but I'm having trouble finding. Oh, I know why. I want to say thank you to your mom and dad for, for all their support and helping with this giveaway. Uh, it's gone extremely, extremely well. Thank you, Lando, for all your hard work um, and your mom behind the scenes. There she is. <laughs> Both of you guys in the puck support gear. I really appreciate it. And we're going to be... Let me see. We're going to be giving some stuff away here in a couple of minutes. Tell me if my request came through and then we'll uh, we'll do it. Thank you to everybody that's uh, that's joined the uh, there, yeah, we, just, there we I go. I just uh, accepted your request. Here you go. Just a sec. We'll turn this around. It might be uh, echoey. You might have to turn one of them down just so you can hear me. But uh, Lando, what do we got going on? How are you giving this stuff away? Oh, there's. Oh, you had to follow me, uh, follow you, like the post, and take three friends. And then if you won, you got. A hat of your choice. You got a t-shirt of your choice. And you also got a sweater of your choice. Awesome. Okay. And how are we doing this? You got uh, you got the wheel set up? Can't hear you, Brady. You got the wheel set up? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we do. Awesome. Let's do it. Good luck to everybody. Three, two, one. Lisa Hockey. Congratulations to Lisa Hockey. 
competitions. Uh, Tyson for the win. Um, we'll reach out and just tell us what you like of each. Yeah, awesome, and uh, you can you can definitely let me know whatever they want. Um, they can tell you, and you can tell me, and we'll get it out. <laughs> oh, wait one sec. It's because I have How's that? There you go. Good. Yeah, so. Because that. We'll make sure that we get it to everybody. All right. Okay, I'm going to. Get off the the Instagram because it's echoey. We're gonna talk right. to you on here. I I will too. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Happy Mother's Day, guys. Thank you. Lando, good job, buddy. Can you hear me? You got me. You're on mute. I'm on mute. I think you're, you're mute. on mute. Good job, Lando. Awesome. You. Unbelievable job! Thank you so much for doing that. What you tell us? Uh, tell us a little bit about what you got going on. How many pucks you're shooting these days? Before we uh, before we wrap this up, um, I'm shooting about 720 a day. That a boy. That's how you're gonna get that Connor Bedard shot, right? Yeah. Say I went for 15 Connor Rollerboy. How many? 15. Oh man, I gotta set my game up. My rollerblades coming uh, tomorrow. Stuart Smith says Lando steals the show again. Every time you're on, you steal the show. And you know, man, I I appreciate all your hard work and your family's support. And once again, you know that I'm in your corner every day, every minute, every hour. Anything you guys need from me, uh, I'm here for you. And I look forward to watching you grow into this young man who's going to become a great hockey player or great at whatever you want to do, whether it be baseball or business. It doesn't matter, Lando, because I can see you have that work ethic and you're going to accomplish some amazing things in this life, man. Thank you. Okay, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll bring you on again. Anytime you want to come on, you just say the word. You steal the show. I don't mind. I like, I like it when you steal the show. Thanks so much for your support. There we go. We got hold on. Very cool guest. That that a boy. Fire those pucks off. And also, great job, Landon. I will also agree on there. Congrats, congrats to Lisa Hockey. You said his name was Tyson. Yes. You know him. We just know him, uh, just know him off of Instagram. Right on. Well, I I appreciate everybody who entered the, the contest, and maybe we'll make this like a once a month thing. What do you think? That'd be awesome. Yeah, but next time your parents need to listen to me, they know what I'm talking about. Yep. They're laughing right now. Okay. I will I'll message you after I'm done here. I'm going to wrap things up and just thanks again and keep up the good work, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Anytime, kiddo. Thanks, guys. Bye. Lando Snipes stealing the show again. Thank you, Landon Curry. What a kid absolutely love it i love how we can incorporate you know the younger generation into the show too i know that sometimes the subjects are a little bit heavy i think on the earlier episodes of my podcast they were even more heavy and i you know i still try to make sure that i'm incorporating the right message but 
not just for the older generation. I think, you know, Landon's at that age where there's nothing that, in my opinion, if I'm a parent and maybe not everyone's going to agree with me, but I know from what I've gone through, okay, what I've seen my friends go through, um, just the life experience that I have more than anything. You know, you get to a certain age, Lando's age, 10, 11 years old. I mean, the issues that are in this world, they're they're there and they're not going anywhere. We can try to protect our kids, you know, and, and hide them and shelter them. But in my opinion, that could be a recipe for disaster. I love the fact that Lando's sitting backstage watching, listening, learning from myself, Rod Peterson, all the other great guests sharing their stories so that when he gets older and he's put in these situations, he can be like, oh, you know what? I heard Rod Peterson say, or I heard Brady say, so you know what? I'm not going to do that. Or if I am feeling this way, I have somebody or I can go, feel comfortable going to my parents or a teacher or whoever it may be. I really feel like we're doing some amazing work here. And that's not that's not a compliment to myself. It's the guests and just the content of the show. I'm very, very happy with the way things have started to shift in that direction. Shout out to Jim Thompson, who gave me a little kick in the butt. O owner of the Aurora Tigers uh, Junior A Hockey Club. He said, Brady, you got to do a couple things. You need to cut out the cannabis, which I believe saved my life, but I no longer need. And number two, you got to stop swearing so much. And those two things have made a world of difference in my life. So, Jim, thank you. Great advice. Um, I'm not always so great at listening to advice or what people say. At least I wasn't in the past. Uh, before I wrap it up, I did see a comment up here that said, Veda just fell, fell asleep to daddy talking. So that's my girlfriend, Taylor. Happy Mother's Day. My daughter, Veda. She was fussy, so I turned the podcast on with a heart. That just melts my heart. Um, grateful. Grateful to uh, just to be in the position I am with Taylor and the kids. And, you know, having said that, too, you know, Brooklyn, Brody, if you're listening out there in Vancouver, I'm thinking about you guys all the time. And I have dreams of one day all of us being together. And that may be a lofty goal. There might be. A lot of things that we need to work through, but just know that I will never, ever, ever give up. That's for sure. Make sure you guys check out pucksupport.com. I'll give you guys a promo code right now for, I think, what is there? One 10% off tonight. We'll use Lando, Lando Snipes. I think it's Lando Snipes 17 or Lando Snipes. I'll make sure that I put it in the comments below, but that's for all Lando's followers. That will never be taken away so you guys can use that anytime um thanks again to landon curry thanks again to rod peterson make sure you check out the rod peterson show mondays to fridays 10 to 12 noon that's central time 12 to 2 eastern because you know i'm going to be there watching chiming in in the comments as i always do uh, more importantly if you're struggling don't give up on yourself you saw Rod in the broadcasting world. He struggled. You see me in the hockey world. I struggled. And we are just two of many, many people out there dealing with mental illness or addiction on some level. It's hard. There's no two ways about it. It's extremely difficult. But please don't give up on yourselves. Reach out for help if you need it. Just get honest is what it comes down to. If you really want the help, I'm telling you. And if it feels like you can't do it on your own, it's probably because you can't do it on your own. And there's no shame in that. I always try to do everything on my own. I'm tough. I, I'm a fighter. I'm this. I don't need your help. 
Well, guess what? I got beat down by mental illness and addiction, KO'd, knocked out, left for dead until I got honest and reached out for help. I'm telling you right now, just do it. It'll be the best decision you ever make. And if it doesn't work instantaneously, please, please keep trying. If I gave up, I'd be dead right now. If Rod gave up, he'd be dead right now. And look at all the amazing things he's doing, all the people he's helping. And I'm trying to model my life after one Rod Peterson. I look forward to having many great shows down the road with him. I look forward to seeing you all on my travels when I roll a bit across Canada next spring. Tomorrow, the training starts. If anybody ever wants to come up to Muskoka for like a Saturday or a Sunday or even a weekday, if you're not doing anything, you want to strap on the blades and go rollerblade for an hour or two or three or whatever that looks like, play some street hockey at the sports court. I'm open to it all. And Lando, that goes for you too, buddy. Of course it goes for you, but that goes for everybody out there. Um, I'm open to it. I know we're supposed to have this stay at home order, but it looks like maybe in June, it's going to be lifted here in Ontario. So let's make it happen, guys. Stay kind. Be grateful. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day if you so choose. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at MindFrame on Twitter plus MindFrame Fit on Instagram.